So timing, it's a great subject. That's actually a big subject. And, um, you know, we're often wondering, we hope we end up at the right place at the right time. You know, we're worried about getting to appointments, getting children to the, maybe their sports. We're always thinking, you know, am I going to make it on time? And um, I've got a clock in front of me, and I've got a lot of words. So my worry today is, am I going to be able to say all the words that I have on this page and preach it this morning? So timing is a big subject. We are subject to time. And Scripture uses the expression that in the fullness of time, when things got pretty bad here on earth, God sent his son. That's the message of the gospel. He sent his son Jesus to die on our behalf, to redeem us from death and sin. And God cut through time. In the fullness of time, God cut through time. He came from a timeless eternity. He came from a place of perfection and excellence and beauty. And he intervened and he cut through and came into time to redeem you and I, to the place where, you know, mankind was in a mess, but he came to rescue us from the penalty of sin and death. Aren't you glad about that? And I can testify that Jesus cut into my life as a very young um, girl. Before I was even five, I knew there was a God out there and that I needed him and he loved me. Was that my brain telling me that? No, because I wasn't educated in that way. But my spirit responded to an enormous God who was out there for me. And I love it that God continues to cut in. And I like this picture, particularly in the Old Testament, of God cutting in to intervene. Um, God gets stirred up. Do you know that God gets stirred up? And he got stirred up when Israel came under oppression. And in Psalm 78, verse 65, it says, Then the Lord awoke as from sleep, like a mighty man who shouts because of wine. And he beat back his enemy, and he put them to a perpetual reproach. Don't you love that, that God intervenes? He cuts through history, he cuts through time, he cuts through issues, and he beats back the enemy. God says, that's enough. I'm going to cut in, and I'm going to do something. Enough is enough. And there's a good exhortation in one, uh, 2 Corinthians. Paul exhorts the Corinthians to not waste God's intervention. What are we going to do with God's intervention? Are we going to use it profitably that we benefit or we think, oh, that's nice and that happened, or are we going to integrate it in our spirit? 2 Corinthians 6, verse 1 to 3, and the message says, Companions, as we are in this work with you, we beg you, please don't squander one bit of this marvelous life God has given us. God reminds us. I heard your call in the nick of time. The day you needed me, I was there to help. Well, now is the right time to listen, the day to be helped. There's no time like the present. Don't put it off. Don't frustrate God's work by showing up late, throwing a question mark over everything he's doing or we're doing. Our work as God's servants gets validated or not in the details. So don't waste a moment. Don't waste this morning. Don't waste what God wants to cut in and speak into your heart 
today. Don't throw a question mark over it. Don't delay. Don't procrastinate. But say, I'm going to take that and I'm going to integrate it in the name of Jesus. So timing is important. Turning up, listening, staying in tune, and keeping in step with life and with God. And so I want to take the timing. I use a lot of analogies when I um, speak or write. And I'm going to talk about dancing. And now that may not be your thing, but it's very current at the moment with some dance competitions that are going on. And who knows in dancing that timing is important. And in the end, the dancers are going to be judged about their timing. How well did the steps fit the beat? And I don't know what dancers you might know, but when we were teenagers, we were taught dancers at school. The girls would be on one side, the boys would be on the other side, and the teachers would more or less like say, go, and the boys had to come across the, the room to ask the girls to dance. And, you know, they didn't put out their hand, and God puts out his hand as our dance partner so graciously to take us into the Holy of Holies. But no, the boys would just come up and say nothing, but just jerk their head, you know, like, <laughs> do you want to dance? <laughs> and of course, we obliged. So we learned about timing. The foxtrot, slow, slow, quick, quick, slow. And there were timings, different rhythms to different dances. The waltz is one, two, three. Now, you're probably familiar with other dances, but this is what we learned. And then you see, even in the competition, there's Paso Dobles, and you know, maybe a two-beat, a one-two, one-two. And we see, if you like the movie um, Strictly Ballroom, it's an Australian movie, and the grandma tries to teach the young man. He wants to do the Paso Doble. He's got the technique, he's got the steps, but he doesn't have the heart. He doesn't have the beat. And she ends up thumping the beat out on his chest so that he can get the beat behind the dance. And we can, in a way, relate that to our Christianity. Do we have a rigid Christianity? Maybe we know the technique. You know, maybe we know the rules, but we don't actually have the heart. And we're out of step with the rhythm of the beat of God. God is all about relationship. And he wants us to hear his heartbeat. If dancing isn't your timing or your thing, perhaps an illustration about machinery will do it for you. And this is an account of Henry Ford, Ford cars. We've all heard about Ford cars. And Charles Steinmetz. Charles Steinmetz was a genius. He built the great generators for Henry Ford in his first plant in Michigan. The generations, uh, the generators, generations, the generators after much time broke down. None of the mechanics and helpers could get them going. The business was losing money. They were going backwards quite fast. They then had the idea to call Steinmetz. The genius puttered around for a few hours and then he ticked or flicked the switch that put the great Ford plant back into operation. Charles Steinmetz sent Henry Ford a bill for $10,000, which Henry Ford thought, that's too much. I'm not going to pay that just for that amount of work. So Charles Steinmetz itemized the invoice for tinkering around. 
$10 for knowing where to tinker, $9,990. And Henry Ford paid it. He paid for the expertise of the person who had built the generators in the first time, first place. The Holy Spirit is our genius. He knows exactly, even today, where to tinker in our lives. He knows how to mend, how to reconcile, how to um, mend any malfunction. He knows where we're off sync, off beat, out of time, and we need healing. The touch of the Holy Spirit is incredibly invaluable. And we've got to allow him to do his work to make some shifts so that we don't remain out of step in life with God and with others, but we flow into the anointing and the rhythm of the heart of God. Just say to yourself, I want the rhythm of the heart of God. So I've got some points and we're going to look at it. Worship is our natural rhythm. We are created to worship. And if we truly desire to know more of God and let him work in his life, we're going to actually allow time. And sometimes we live in a society that is time poor, that we're not entering into the presence of the Lord on a daily basis or in our lives. We might reserve it till Sunday, but we need to get into worship. Why? Because worship is our natural rhythm. Everything finds its place in worship. We are created to worship. There is a vacuum. There is an emptiness. And if we're not worshipping God, what are we worshipping? Whatever holds your time or holds your attention maybe is the thing that you are bowing down to. But when we allow God to hold our heart, when we bow to him, we rise up so much stronger to inherit everything he has for us. And so if we want to find our rhythm, right timing, a flow in our life, let's get into the presence of God. There we discover how God ticks. We discover the mechanics and the outworking of his love towards us. I'm not sure about you, but worship centers me. It reminds me of what is truly important. We can think other things are important, stretch our time, busy ourselves, rush around, or we can worship, where God just prioritizes what's really important in life. Worship calms us. Not sure about you, whether you get anxious about time or you get anxious about situation, but when we worship, it makes us realize who holds the power of the universe in his hands. Who's able to move on our behalf? Worship changes us when we listen and we hear the wisdom of God and thought, man, I wouldn't have thought of that myself. Worship is where it's at. And we need to worship. And I, there's a song expressing desire to worship. Now, it's an old song and you're all too young. Um, but here it goes. It goes, take me past the outer courts into the holy place, past the brazen altar, Lord. It's talking about the tabernacle. I want to see your face. Pass me by the crowd of people and the priests who sing your praise. I hunger and I thirst for your righteousness, but it's only found one place. Take me in to the holy of holies. 
Take me in by the blood of the Lamb. Take me into the Holy of Holies. Take the coal. Touch my lips. Here I am. We need to ask God to take us further. That's referring to the um, Old Testament where there was a tabernacle, where there was an outer court, where the priests made sacrifices on behalf of the people. There was the holy place where um, the priests interceded, and then there was the most holy place where was the Ark of the Covenant, the very symbolic of the very presence of God. The people could only go so far. But through Jesus cutting in, we can all access the Holy of Holies. But we need to exercise that desire. Would you take me in? Come on, God's your dance partner tonight and today. And he's saying, come on, rise and come with me. I want to show you things you would never see or perceive on your own. When we look at the life of Joshua in the Bible, Exodus 33, 11, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. He lingered. Lingering is where you don't want to leave. Maybe you're having such a good time, you've got such good company, that you just want to hold on and and have a fuller experience of, of where you are and what you're doing. We need, and Joshua had that lingering, I just want to linger in the presence of God. Moses had duty, calling, and he had to go back to the camp. But Moses, um, Joshua, voluntary, stayed on and lingered. What was Joshua doing? Maybe nothing. Maybe lying there. Maybe listening. Maybe observing. Just imbibing the presence of God. And maybe we need to slow it down and say, I need to linger in the presence of God. Maybe I need to linger longer. Life is bustly. Life is busy. There is time restraints and we're all rushing. But maybe to be the best us, to get the most out of what we're doing and and find the power of God, we need to linger longer. Time to go beyond the bustle of life. Slow it down. Listen to the music and melody of heaven. Find your God-given rhythm so you can rise up in life and love. You know, where you will pick up truth and revelation that we would never see in the natural. What is God saying? I've found one word from God can change a worry, can change an anxiety, can change a mistaken belief. And God invites us onto his great dance floor. He offers us his hand, and he takes us into that holy of holies. Worship should be our natural rhythm. Is it something we naturally flow with, or do we only put it on from time to time? Matthew 11, 28, 30 from the message. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? I've got to do this. I've got to be that. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms. And I know there's a desire in this room just to find that peace, to find that rhythm, to find just the love of God assisting us. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live lightly and freely. God is our dance partner. 
He's our genius. He wants to keep the generator of our heart, our vitality and our energy going. So we can outwork what he has for our lives. If you have lost rhythm, today God's saying, come on, come with me. He's extending his hand and saying, come with me. And we know that you'll benefit from being in the presence of the Lord. That was point one. Point two. (laughs) The first beat of the bar is really important. Well, I learned that in dancing. It's where we launch from. It's like where we get started. You step out often on the first beat of the bar. And then if you get that right, the rest of the steps follow. But how often do people want to miss the first beat of the bar? No, I don't want to give to God. No, you know, I haven't got the time. And they want, and morally, ethically, and spiritually, they want to miss the first beat and get on to the other steps. But who knows that it doesn't work like that? Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. What's the first beat of the bar? What is God emphasizing to you so that the rest of the dance will follow behind? We can't get the step or the flow right if we don't get the first beat of the bar, especially for basic dancing. Maybe fancy dancers don't have to do that, but we need to hear. What's what you're saying? What's the priority? Joshua knew that. In 24.15, he just said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's maybe options for you guys, but no, we're going to serve the Lord and see him fulfill his desires. See him help us overcome the giants in the land. Joshua's confidence was based on the testimonies of the past, of past experience. He had a hunger that I want to see the same power outwork in my current situations. We need to let our testimonies talk to us. And in Psalm 119, it says, Your testimonies, Lord, are a delight, and they are my counsellors. We've got to let our testimonies talk to us. Remember what God did. He did it then. He'll do it again. And Joshua had witnessed great things. He had seen Psalm 136 verse 12 with a strong hand, with an outstretched arm, for his mercy endures forever. He had witnessed deliverance. He had witnessed the power of God bringing Israel out of Egypt. He had witnessed God taking care of the Egyptian army and drowning them in the Red Sea. And he knew God would do it again. He witnessed God turning bitter waters into the sweet. He witnessed daily provision and God taking care of the opposition. He also witnessed God calling him out to lead. Come on, God, uh, Joshua, it's your turn to lead, to step up. In Joshua 1, 2, and 3, he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, to the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. God builds on the steps of the past. But we've got to step out on the first beat of the bar. What is God saying? And as we remember and we let testimonies talk to us, we've got the confidence to step out into the future in faith. 
The first beat of the bar is important. Come on, can you hear it? Worship. Honoring God for who he is and for what he's done. In marriage, if you want a good marriage, what's the first beat of the bar? That you honor your vows to love and to cherish or whatever you said at the time. Let them talk back to you to want the very best for your spouse. And if they want the same, what a great marriage that'll be with your finances. Come on, what's the first beat of the bar? Come on, honor God with the first fruit of your labors. Give it back to him. We might have all the costuming, all the sequins, all the glitter, but we're, if we're out of step, that's all that's going to be felt, and it's not going to be a winning performance. Let's come back to the heart of worship, and we want to see God win. Number three is creative choreography, and... Um, Creativity applies to a lot of areas, but we're talking about dancing and maybe in the machinery. When Charles Steinmetz put that together, he knew exactly how to fit and to get things to fit together so they could flow and work. Choreography is the sequence of steps and movement, especially in dance. Choreography is an interpretation to the music, a telling of a story, the expression of thought and desire, where we allow God to choreograph something for us. Do you know he has done that from the beginning of time? Psalm 139 says he's fashioned all our days. He's already choreographed our life, and we've got to make sure we don't work against the choreography of God, that we're all different. I've got my dance to dance. You've got your dance. God does different sequences. But when we dance what God has ordained, it fits and it flows. What has God spoken over your life? I was talking to a group the other day, and I talked about discovering the real you, the prophetic you. Not the handsome you, not the pretty you, the smart you, the intelligent you, the capable you, the competent you, but the prophetic you. What has God said from the beginning of time? Paul, we know he persecuted the church. And, you know, he had a form of godliness. He thought he was doing the right thing, but he was religious. He didn't understand the heartbeat of God, and he was putting Christians to death. He didn't understand the heartbeat of God, the move of the Holy Spirit. So what did God do? He knocked him off his horse. And if we are so out of rhythm, may God knock us off our horse so that we can come back into a better functioning space where we know the grace of God. And Paul, or Saul then said, What's happening? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. He was using his gift in the entirely the wrong manner. And he turned at that point from destroying Christians to planting and building of churches. And we read his words today. And I want to ask you and ask myself, are we kicking against the goads? Are we working against our prophetic self? Are we trying to be someone that we see other people are? Or are we finding the rhythm of God and the choreography of God? Bruce and I, we are sort of getting on an age. We've found 
the rhythm of God. We've found as we followed his step, he opens up well beyond. He said, go to London. That was the first beat of the bar. That wasn't easy to put our foot in that place and to go and to leave home. But we did. And we've got promises I haven't got time to share. But this was God's choreography. He designed this dance. And as we did, we saw London as a beachhead. That if we, in a sense, broke open the soil in London with churches, it would overflow into Europe. That's exactly what happened. Now we have four churches in England, four churches in Germany, two in Switzerland. We've got churches in Italy, Hungary, and Slovakia. Why? Because God did the sequencing. God pulled it together, and others joined the dance. And God would say that I've got a far bigger dance floor for you than maybe or even a plant than you could even expect. Many are stuck in the outer court, like the tabernacle when you can go right in. We're stuck in the outer court. We're stuck listening to the opinions of man. That place would have got crowded when everybody came in, you know, with their animals, and there would have been a bustling and a shuffling and pretty hot and sticky. And there would have been a lot of opinions. But God is saying, go past those opinions. That song said, go past the outer court, your natural-mindedness. The outer court was exposed to the sunlight. It wasn't protected. And there were so many conflicting thoughts, so much elevation of man's wisdom. But we need to go past that, past the outer court. Faith and reason are not opposed, but when reason won't take you another step, faith keeps on going because it connects you to God. Past the brazen altar where the animals were sacrificed, We need to come to a point where we stop working on ourselves, stop, you know, beating ourselves up, handling it when we go, no, if I go into the presence of God, I can know forgiveness. I can know freedom. I can get back in step instead of living in a place of condemnation. Go past. Follow the choreography of God. He's put it together for you and I perfectly, And I want to encourage you, discover the prophetic you. Maybe not what others might see, but the prophetic you and the call of God on your life. And the last one, with very little time, and I pray that you can digest these words. Time is always working and speeding fast. You know, I've learned to make time my friend. When things interrupt me, don't hassle. There's something to be found in this place. And the last one is core strengthening. If you're going to hold a position, and I'm not in the natural, so please don't look at me. (laughs) But in the spirit, if you're going to hold a position of faith, you need your core to be incredibly strong. And in Romans, it can flash up behind me, but I won't read it. It's like pregnancy doesn't make a woman smaller, but there's a development, there's a growing And we can think waiting for things, we're diminishing, we're languishing. Instead of saying, I'm going to strengthen my core, that in the waiting, I'm getting bigger all the time. And in the waiting, there are always opportunities. There's opportunities to grow and to strengthen your faith. People often miss opportunities, and Sam will say, because 
they're dressed in overalls and they look like hard work. But God is always throwing down a challenge, even in the waiting, even when our faith might be tested. And here's a few opportunities I'm going to throw out there. There's an opportunity to gather. God gives, even in times when we feel stuck, He's giving. We can either stay fixated on what's not happening or we can gather what is happening, something that will add value. We can have the scripture up, but God gave manna, told them to go out. And this was supernatural food. Did it look like much? No. White, insipid, wet. But within it was the dynamics for t- to take Israel from Egypt into the promised land. What are we dismissing? And God's saying, I'm throwing it down. Here's an opportunity to gather. I think we're not always good at gathering. We've got our eyes fixed on the goal and sometimes we're waiting and God's throwing something down before us. Let's not dismiss it. Unbelief will cause us to question the provision and the transition. In God, it is more than enough. It'll get us there. Opportunities to glean. Ruth had made, um, or Naomi had made a terrible mistake and relocated through a time of famine. She found herself in a stuck place but returned to her home country. And here was an opportunity to glean when they were vision poor, faith poor. And Boaz purposely, we can have the scriptures behind, allowed wheat to fall from the bundles that the young women were reaping. In your hard time, there's someone ahead of you who's doing it right. And Boaz said to go after the young woman and let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. There's favour when we've got a heart to glean. I don't know it all. I'm not going to stay in this um, stuck position, but I'm going to move on. There's opportunities to experience grace. When you feel weak, God is strong. God will hurdle those obstacles for you. And we know that Paul said, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Where are you today? Where does your core need to be strengthened so you can hold that position? Hopefully not on one leg too long. (laughs) So you can hold that stance, that promise. God has made a promise and He won't stop now. He'll continue to roll out. Do you know God performs miracles in our need? He said to Joshua, I'll give you more time. I'll make the sun stand still. So you've got time to win this battle. That was absolutely supernatural and miraculous. Today, He can add back time to you, whatever time that's been lost. He can redeem situations that are broken. He can mend relationships. One flick of that switch can set those generators back into motion to produce what they were called to produce. Today's a day of cooperation with the Holy Spirit and with the truth of His promises. That brings coordination to our life. New hope, new energy, new vitality, new flow, new new joy. God is reaching out to you. Timing is so important. God's truth is timeless. 
It stands forever. It's not relevant one day and not relevant the next day. It's relevant all the way through. So if you can remember today through the analogy I've given you, the first beat of the bar is important. Come on, launch, start. Otherwise, you'll never find the catch-up until you get back to what is God saying. Creative choreography. Aren't you glad God's so diverse, so varied? Look at the room. We're all different. But discover the prophetic you. What makes you tick? How about strengthening your core, finding the power of grace and God to persevere and to pick up on the opportunities that will actually strengthen us to inherit. How about closing your eyes? And I'm just going to say the words of that song. We've got to pass some things today. Take me past the outer courts into the holy place. Past the brazen altar, Lord, I want to see your face. Pass me by the crowds of people and the priests who sing your praise. I hunger and thirst for your righteousness, but it's only found in one place. God's extended his hand. Take me into the holy of holies. Take me in. You've done it all for me by the blood of the Lamb. Take me into the holy of holies. Take the cold. Touch my lips. Make me worthy. Lord, here I am. If you've never given your heart to the Lord, and I will get Nathaniel to pray for you later, recognize the first beat of the bar. Jesus said to him, someone who was inquiring, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Only your Creator can tell you who you are and what you were created for. And believe me, God makes no small plans. But I'd like the rest of us to stand to our feet. And I just think there's a cooperation, a coordination, a putting of our foot down. There's, um, I'll keep that love. <laughs> can I keep that? Yep. <laughs> Thank you. I've got some words to quote. Connecting. Do you need a switch flicked? Yeah, my mechanics have shut down a bit. I'm stuck. I'm not worshipping. Come on, worship is everything. You know, have we fallen over on the dance floor? I remember in gymnastics at school, people not hitting the springboard at the right timing. And what happens? That they hit the apparatus, the wooden horse, and they end up winded. And maybe you're here today and you feel a bit winded. That, yeah, I didn't quite get hit the springboard of faith at the right time, and I've slammed into something and I'm winded. Maybe something's come at you and winded you. But I believe there's a lift in the Spirit of God today so that we won't be distracted, that we can operate in power and authority. What do you need to let go of? What do you need to pass in the name of Jesus?